taking a little pause from our First Corinthians series uh, for this week and next week, and we're going to be talking about, uh, it's kind of like our financial series, two weeks of talking about finances, but really this week I'm going to be talking about work, and next week Susan Buckner is going to be preaching on giving, giving generously. Uh, so this week we're focusing exclusively on just work, and I, and I hope that I encourage us to, and show us that God is actually has created work and has called us to actually worship Him through our work. God has created work and called us to worship Him through our work. Um, just before I, I, I get into the message, though, I wanna, I've been part of, uh, invited to do this um, fellows program, it's called, at, at Gordon-Conwell. And it's basically myself and 13 other pastors in the, at different New England churches you know, all around New England. And we gather once every quarter for three days, and we talk about a specific subject that's kind of relevant to our culture. And it's, and it's for younger pastors, people that have been only like, uh, you know, in, in ministry for about five years. So it's kind of people my age, and, and we're trying to engage, again, cultural issues. And so this past retreat, which was two weeks ago, we talked about faith and work. Faith and work. Because and there's one uh, statistic that I, was captivating to me or intriguing to me was that we talked about was that 95% of, let's just look at this room right here, 95% of us will spend 95% of our time outside of any kind of church setting. 95% of this room, if you just look around, will spend 95% of our time outside of our church setting. And, and honestly, a lot of that time is in work. A lot of that time is in what we are called to do throughout the week, our Monday to Friday job, or if you work weekends, you know, whatever. It's, it's the time that we spend outside of that. And so we as a church have to be able to talk about work. And we as a church, we as, a, we as pastors have to be able to actually talk to people, encourage them in their work. And so, again, my goal today is to give us this idea that God created work, and then he, it's, he's created that as a way for us to actually worship him through our work. I want you guys to leave here this morning excited about tomorrow. You know, we've had hopefully a couple days off. Hopefully you guys have had a little bit of a break. And I, I, I'm praying and hoping that you guys are actually pumped up to get to work on Monday. And it's not a drag, but that you guys can see that your work is actually worship. You know, I think we see work a couple different ways. Um, I'm, some of us see work on a spectrum. And on one side of the spectrum, work is just this kind of necessary evil, right? It's a, mean, a total means to an end. It's like I, I, we've got to work, put in our 40 years, get to retirement. Or work is just the way that we pay our mortgage, pay our bills, provide for our kids, college, all that. Or it's just another thing that work is just we've got to add to the resume, make sure resume looks good. That's one side of the spectrum. The other side of the spectrum is that work is like our life. Work is everything. Work, work is our total self-fulfillment. It's like, yes, this is, this is it. My work, I, I don't take vacation days because I got to work every single day. Work is, becomes an idolatry on this side of things. And so whenever, if we swing to either side of the spectrum, I think we're totally missing it. Although work is necessary to pay the bills and work can be very fulfilling. And, and I'll show that actually God's called us to work. But I want us to strike this balance of finding actually God's called us in this specific type of work and that our work is worship. Another way that we kind of view our lives and work is kind of involved in this is we, we totally compartmentalize 
our lives. I mean, I'm, I'm a victim of this, or I, I do this. Sometimes we, we have these uh, kind of, spir- I call it a spiritual box, and over here is our life box. So spiritual box is things like, hey, we put in going to church. We, go, we put in here going to faith group or Bible study or spending time with the Lord in the morning or in the evening or, or prayer or, you know, anytime we're discipling or spending time with our family. That's kind, of, that's kind of spiritual activities. And then over here, we put in the box our 40-hour, 50-hour week, work, worked week. Or we put in watching football on Sundays or, you know, have our fun. This is over here. And so any activity that we have, we can kind of easily in our heads put into one of these boxes. This is a spiritual activity. This isn't. I'm like, what if God totally didn't look at our lives like that? I actually looked at it much more holistically. And then he was like, hey, every act that you got, everything you guys do can actually be worship. Everything you do can actually be a divine uh, activity. What if our lives, what, what if we could actually view our lives that way? And again, I believe that work specifically, I want to encourage us, and as you guys leave, I want to say work is a divine activity given to us by God as a way that we can worship Him. So I want to look at two passages today. First, I'm going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to show how God created work. He was the first worker, and we've been called to follow that. And secondly, we're going to be looking at Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at actually our work is our worship to our, our God. So let's first look at Genesis chapter 1. This is verse 26 through 28. Genesis 1 is, a, uh, is the creation account. It shows how God uh, created the world. He started everything. I love it because it's, it's 25 verses of him just you know, creating the sun, the moon, the stars, creating the earth, creating the waters, creating the, the, the land, creating animals, creating uh, plants. I just picture him you know, putting together the atoms, the neutrons, the protons, the electrons, sticking a couple atoms together, creating molecules, and then creating elements and, and putting into, into place the laws of physics. I mean, just you've got to think sometime, dwell sometime on, on how beautiful that creation account actually was. But did you know that that creation was worship? That's, that creation is him actually creating, him working. God was the first worker. And then it says that he created man. And that's where we come in in verse 26. It says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then in chapter 2, verses 15, this is one verse that it kind of coincides with this. It says, The Lord God took the man and, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. I want to focus on a couple things from this. First of all, there's this Latin phrase called the Imago Dei. And it means, it, basically, it literally means in the image of God. And that's verses uh, 27. It says, God created mankind in his own image. So God creates male. He creates female. Masculinity, feminine, is totally wrapped up. And who God is. 
And he created them. And, and the first 25 verses is all him creating and working. And then it says in 27 that we were made in his image. So I, I, I want to argue that we have been made, each of you have been made to work. It's part of your nature. It's part of your DNA. It, you've all been called to it. Isn't it interesting as well that, that work came before the fall of man, before sin entered the world? Sometimes we think, oh, that work just is terrible. It must be effective of the fall, right? But no, no, work was before the fall. The fall just affected work and made it very fruitless and, and oftentimes and very hard and very toilsome. But work in and of itself was ordained by God, created by God, and then he said, hey, and all of you guys are going to take part in it. Then in verse 26 and 28, I love some of these words that, that God uses. He says, I want you guys to rule over the fish in the sea and the birds of the air. I want you to fill the earth and subdue it. I want you to take care of the garden. I want you to cultivate the garden. Use some of these awesome words. It was just a, a simple illustration. I, I love, um, well, if you think of a king, you know, back in the day, and, and he would, a king would go on conquest and would go and conquer another kingdom. And king would go and conquest, conquer, and then he would usually return home. But he would leave in his place a government or leave in his place someone with authority in that kingdom that they just conquered. When I look at the way that God created the world, He created it. God, this world is His. He started it. It's, it's totally His world. But unfortunately, sin entered into the world and darkness came over the world. The devil has his way in so many ways. You know, since sin came into the world, it's totally affected the world. But since sin came in, God has been on this mission to kind of take back the world, to have his kingdom, right, expand back into the kingdom of light to kind of expand over the world into this place of darkness. And so I actually want to argue that God has not called us all to be a bunch of missionaries and a bunch of pastors and a bunch of kind of professional Christian workers. That's not the way that he's looking to expand or take back the world for him. He's saying, hey, I've made you to work, and I'm going to actually place you as representatives in the businesses that you guys are part of, in the school systems that you guys are part of, in the colleges that you work on, in the high schools you work in, in the social work that you guys do, in the law firms. God has said, hey, the way that we're going to take back this world, the way that we're going to expand my kingdom of light is actually going to use work and for you guys to be my representatives in these different places and sectors of society. And this is not, just, I'm not just saying so that you guys can be there so you can share the gospel with your coworkers, although I think that's an important piece of it, but I think it's way more than that. I think God is saying, I want you to do business like I would do business. You know, I want you guys to consult with the wisdom that I give. I want you guys to, to teach with love and patience. I want you guys to work like I would work. So I love that idea of each of you. As I look out, I I think of, man, I I see some amazing jobs that you guys are a part of, amazing places of influence that you guys are in. I'm so thankful because God has literally picked you up, put you in that place of work so that you might be his representative in that place. Does that get you excited about work tomorrow? Does that get you excited about getting to work and seeing your coworkers again and doing your projects? You're excited. That's good. So we've been called by God. He's the first one that started work. 
We've been called to follow in his footsteps. And he's placed us. He set us loose to different parts of our, our sectors of, of uh, our economy and our society. Now, how can work be worship? I want to look at Colossians chapter 3 now. Colossians 3 is this powerful verse. It's, it's, uh, Colossians is written by uh, Paul. He's writing to the church, uh, the, the, the Colossian church. And chapter 3 is this powerful chapter. And it's broken into, I would say, three parts. And we're going to actually be studying or focusing on the last part where he gives us practical implications for how we're to actually work. But what I love about Paul is the way that he writes. Is he, he gives us practicals, but he always has, his, has them based in a strong, solid theology. So he didn't just say, hey, go and do this stuff. He says, hey, there's a reason why you do it. Here's why. Now this is what it would look like for you guys to go do it. So we're going to look at the practical implications, but let me just speak very briefly to this theology that he sets up for work. And it's really actually a mindset thing. So Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4 reads like this. It says, Since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is. He's seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Just simply reading that can sound confusing, but I want to give, hopefully, a, a, a summary of what that means and the theology that Paul is writing about. I think Paul's talking here about eternity. Any of you who have believed that Jesus Christ died for your sins and you've given your sins to Jesus... You are now dead. That's great news. You are now dead. But guess what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've been given life again. And so just like Jesus died, was buried, and then was resurrected, this is Paul is saying, you now are literally living eternal life right now. Your physical bodies will die one day, but your soul will live forever. Starting right now, whenever you guys gave your had your sins forgiven by Jesus, literally you guys are living in eternity now. And so what I believe Paul is saying in these verses is that not to think, okay, now we just want to dwell on heaven all the time and just kind of wait our years until finally we die physically and get to heaven. I think what Paul is trying to say is this, is that we can now, it says that we're wrapped in Christ. We're hidden in Christ I think that what he's saying is we actually have to think like we would be in heaven. Think like our minds would be in heaven. Have the attitudes, have the emotions, have the ambitions that Christ does. Have the thoughts that Christ does in heaven. We can actually think about our, our work and our lives with that mindset here on earth. And so that's the theology is that we're living in eternity now. We, we have eternal life. We can actually think with the mind that we're going to have in heaven here on earth. It's, it, that's the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. Our lives can totally be radically changed. Our mindset can totally radically be changed because of Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. And now our lives are going to change. So in verse 5 through 17, so he says, think about eternity, right? Have that mindset of, of, of eternity. Have the mindset of heaven. In verses 5 through 17, he has his two images. First he says, we can, picture I have a jacket on. And he says, put off 
your old self or put off the sins that so easily kind of, kind of we get tangled in. Put off those things, which is sexual immorality, lust, greed, malice. You can now actually take those things off and then you can put on humility, compassion, love. These are the things, because of Jesus, we can put these things on we can act in this way. And now he gives very practical implications for how we're to live our life and work. So again, just to summarize, 1 through 4 is him giving us an eternal mindset. We can actually have the mind of Christ here on earth in the way that we live. What that enables us to do is to put off our sinful self and put on this, the, the, the loving kindness, the, the humility that Christ gives. And now we're going to talk about how that actually makes us work and be better workers or, or to use our work as worship. So I'm going to look at verses 22 through the end of chapter 3. This is what it says, Colossians 3, 22. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Let me just uh, give a little caveat here. You know, anytime we hear, you know, this is pretty bold language in terms of slaves and masters. Anytime uh, kind of our American ears hear this, we uh, think back to kind of the, the history of slavery in America, which was horrendous, obviously. So I believe here that there's a, li- a little bit of a different context in Colossians 3 that Paul was addressing. You know, slavery back then was, was in some ways much worse than the slavery that was here in America. In some ways it was a lot better. In some ways a lot worse because they were oftentimes slaves of war and they were literally worked to their death. Sometimes it was much better because they actually would sell themselves into slavery because they were in debt. And so they were, it was more like an indentured servitude that he was kind of talking about. Either way, I don't believe that Paul here is addressing kind of the ethics of slavery or whether or not he thinks slavery is a good or bad thing. More, he's more saying, hey, I want to, if anything, he's saying, I want to change the institution from within. I, I want to tell slaves to, to obey and masters to treat their slaves with fairness. So again, this is not uh, Paul addressing kind of the ethics of slavery, and that's not what I'm really addressing. But what I believe that we can draw from this, and, and in my study I saw that other people were, would agree with this, is that we can view the slaves almost as employees and, and the masters and employers, or, or we've been called to serve others. And so that's, that's kind of what I'm going to draw out of this passage. So I'm just going to work through verse by verse, and again, I want to show that our work is actually our worship to the Lord. So verse 22, the first part says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor. You know, a temptation is to only work 
to please kind of managers or our bosses. Or an temp- easy temptation is just that we would work for kind of our own promotion or our own kind of uh, benefit, right? We've all been in those situations. Here Paul is just flat out saying, this is not why you work. And it's a good thing because how often do we work when you know, our work goes totally unseen? How often do you guys take work back and you're just working way late at home that no one else sees, but just you know that you're putting in those extra hours. I know it happens with many of you. We are not to look at our work as just to please men, but instead, if we go on in the second half of 22 and 23, it says that our work is literally to be done with sincerity of heart and reverence for our Lord. Whatever we do, anything that we do in work, work at it with all of our hearts as if working for the Lord and not for human masters. Paul's giving us a totally different perspective on work. You know, we've, we've been, many of you work for companies or work for schools or work for businesses or work for, you know, whatever, and you, you're paid for your job. You have, a, you have bosses that say, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. And so it's so easy to say, hey, I'm working for this person. But here Paul's saying, no, no, no. You have been placed in your workplace by the Lord. Again, remember from Genesis, God has you as one of His representatives wherever you guys are working. You've been placed there. And so our work is not to please our bosses, managers, supervisors. Our work is on the next level. We are totally called to, to please our Lord with our work. That is how our work is worshipped. You know, I've, I've been, you know, anytime you preach, you have to make sure that you're actually at least doing a little bit of what you're preaching, right? Hopefully a lot of what I'm doing. But it made me really kind of think about my own work, you know, working for a church here. What is my motivation in work? Is it to please, you know, Mark Buckner, who's our uh, lead pastor here right now? Is it to kind of make sure that he thinks that I'm doing a really good job? Is it for Les and I to think, hey, we've had 40 students come through the discipleship school in our three years. Hey, pat ourselves on the back. We're doing really good. You know, is it to kind of gain skills? You know, here I am preaching. I'm, I'm, I'm working on a skill. Is it for the, the sake of myself so that I might, you know, be a better communicator one day? Or is, or is literally what I'm doing all about serving the Lord because he's given me this opportunity? That's a question I had asked myself. I was in, another uh, story that I thought of this week was I, I was, um, right out of college, I worked in commercial real estate for two years in the Boston area. And uh, it, was, it was in 2008 that I got hired. Uh, so it, at that time, the, the job market was pretty tough, and for, especially for college grads. So I was just super thankful that I got a job. So I got a job, but I, I quickly found out that I really, really hated this job. It was just cold calling all day. That's what I was just dialing numbers, asking people if they needed uh, to, to expand their space. And this was, again, 2009 and 2010. If you remember what happened in our economy, no one was looking to expand their space. And so here I am just calling and calling and calling. And I remember this vividly. One day, it was like 2 p.m. I'd called all morning, nothing. And I was just like, forget this. I'm going home. And I, again, I, I had the luxury as a, as a sales position. I could leave and arrive whenever I wanted to. And so I was like, forget it. I'm going home. I want to play basketball. or do something fun. 
So I, I hop on 95 North. I was working in Lexington. I'm going back to Beverly. And I'm just in my car. And you guys have all done this, so don't judge me. But I'm, I, I'm, I remember squeezing my, my uh, what's it called, steering wheel so hard. And I remember just pounding it and screaming at the top of my lungs in anger at, at the, the lot of my life that I was literally cold calling businesses and just getting rejected all the time. Just at the top of my lungs, just, I hate this. And I was probably crying too and, and just so frustrated. And I, and I remember so vividly, I, it was, I mean, literally, I'm just, I, I'm, I picture myself. I just remember this sm- small little uh, phrase the Lord spoke to me as I'm so frustrated. He just said, hey, would you finish the day? Would you go and finish the day? I would, just the conviction of the Lord came over my life. And I was like, I don't want to finish the day, but fine, I will. <laughs> so I remember pulling off the Burlington exit, whipping around and going back to Lexington and finishing the day of work. I wish I could say that a great sale came in, but nothing good happened the rest of that day either. <laughs> but I remember it vividly in that, you know, the Lord called me to that job. He gave it to me, and I committed to it. I said yes to it. And so the lesson that I learned was, that, was this, is simply that if God has called me to something, and I've committed to it, then I'm going to darn well work as hard as I think it can because it's, it's working for Him. Because he's called me. It's a, it's a way that I can actually worship him. You know, I, I didn't necessarily view it that way back then. But I, in hindsight, I can, I can view it that way and say, that is what I was doing. I was, I was being faithful to what God had called me to do. That's worship to our Lord. So whether we like our job or whether we don't like our job, I want to encourage you. Has God called you to it? and Have you committed to it? Then view it as a way that you're actually worshiping it him and view him as as delighting in your work he's called you to be in that position there's there's good things to come for even those who don't like their work because here's in verse 24 and 25 it says this since you know that you will receive so whatever you do work it with all your heart as working for the lord not for human masters since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the lord as a reward it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs. And there is no favoritism. Guys, there's a reward for our work. There is reward for us working hard and committing to the job that we've been called to. And it's not just good money. It's not just promotion. It's not just that, although that could come. But that's not it. You know, I think of, you know, what about those who are not paid at all for their work? What about stay-at-home moms and dads? What about grandparents that don't work, and, but they're just helping out with the kids? What about those who do not get any pay for their work? You know, you just you volunteer maybe. What about them? I believe so strongly that the Lord is so delighted with each of us, every single minute, every single hour that we spend in, in the investment in other people, every single hour that we spend in, in serving uh, other people. Every single hour, I, I just did a major renovation on my home, and I just was like, I think the Lord loved watching me tile my bathroom, even though I wasn't getting paid for it. He loved watching that. Do we view our work that way? And God is a God who rewards Jesus. All the time would talk about 
kind of the rewards we would get for our actions. The rewards we would get in heaven one day. So we can, we can actually take solace in that. We can, we can be encouraged in that, that actually our work matters. Remember, we, can, we're, we have that mindset of eternity. We're thinking with the, with the mind that Christ would have. We're, we're thinking with, with have His ambitions here in this physical life. But we will be rewarded one day for the way that we work. Finally, in, in uh, chapter 4, verses 1, I love that he ends it this way. He says, Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. I just feel like this is addressing those of us here who probably uh, are, are the bosses. You know, those of us here who have employees. Those of us here who manage or supervise others. God is calling you to make sure that you treat those rightly and fairly. You treat those well. Because you have a master who's watching the way that you treat your employees. You treat those who are kind of looking to you in their jobs. So it's just a call for those who are kind of in those places of authority in your work that you will be judged as well for the way that you actually treat those who are underneath you. So just in conclusion, guys, God has created us to work. God has created each of you guys to, in his image, you've been made in the image of God. He was the first worker, and he's, he's called you guys to actually continue to cultivate the garden, to rule over kind of the, the creation order that he put in place here. And he's set you loose, has, has said, hey, I want you to be my representatives in different companies and different businesses and different hospitals and different sectors of our society. He's actually asking you guys to be diligent workers in those places. And thankfully, he doesn't view that work as futile, but he actually views it as a way that we can actually worship him. And he delights in the way that we do our work. So as I, the band comes back up, as we just enter into a time of response, I just want to pray for us. And, and here's what I want us to think about in our time of response. Why do we talk about work in church? Well, again, because so much of your life is spent outside of any kind of church activity. So much of your life is actually spent doing work. And so I want you guys to just take, as, as the band plays, I just want you to meditate right now and just ask the Lord, in what ways am I motivated in my work? Where do you fall on the spectrum? Think about that. Is work totally just a necessary evil? Or is work your life? Has, has work become an idol to you? Is there some way that we need to swing back to a real understanding that, that God has called us to our work and has allowed it to be worshipped to Him? So I want us to just meditate on that. Wherever you know, you know what your work is that you're doing tomorrow, I want you to meditate right now and just think, where am I at in terms of my attitude towards work? And then as well, I just want to pray. I'm, I'm going to offer prayer for a couple of us up here. Is if work has just been difficult for you. Maybe you're, maybe you're in a place of unemployment. You're just like, I want to work, but I have not been able to. We want to pray that, job would, that God would provide a job. Or if there's any specific way that you're just like, I just need, I need major help in my job. I have total stress in this job. Whatever it is, we want to pray for that situation because we believe that, that, that power of prayer actually does change things. So join with me in response and join with me as I pray right now. Lord, 
thank you so much for the work that you've called each one of us to. Thank you, Lord, for each of the sectors of our society and economy that you've asked us to be your representatives in. Lord, I ask that we would be vaulted out of here today, so encouraged for the work that you've called us to. And Lord, that we would view our work as worship. We'd view it as a way for us to honor you and glorify you in everything that we do. So I just ask for us this week, Lord, that we'd have a, that, that perspective on work and whatever we're doing. Pray this in Jesus' name.